Welcome to the Hope Unyielding podcast, a podcast where people from all walks of life share stories of God's faithfulness in the dark, difficult, or perplexing parts of their journeys. I'm your host, Hope Johnson, and you're listening to part two of a three-part series where I share three myths I've believed about what it means to be satisfied in Christ when earthly desires go unfulfilled, particularly the desire for a spouse. In the last episode, I unpacked the myth that being truly satisfied in Christ meant I would no longer desire a spouse. If you've ever struggled with guilt or shame over the intensity of your desire for marriage, I encourage you to go back and listen to part one, where I share about the grace and love God offers when we wrestle with unfulfilled desires. In today's short episode, I'm tackling a myth about what satisfaction in Christ can look and feel like in the lives of believers. Over the years, when I've expressed the intensity of my desire for a spouse, I've been told countless times a person can never satisfy me. Only Jesus can do that. But this answer has always left me feeling, well, unsatisfied. I knew that a person couldn't meet my deepest needs. But after years of following Jesus, I couldn't say I felt that He completely satisfied me either. This satisfaction in Christ that my well-meaning mentors and friends spoke of frustrated me because it seemed nebulous and unattainable, something they had experienced but I just couldn't crack the code for. Looking back, I think this frustration largely stemmed from a faulty understanding of what satisfaction in Christ should look like in my everyday life. You see, for years, I believed the myth that true satisfaction in Christ meant I would always feel His love and presence. When I imagined being satisfied in Christ, I thought I would feel His love and closeness in ever-increasing measures. I would constantly be in tune with the Holy Spirit and disappointment or depression would never make me question whether the Father truly cared about me. On this Christian journey, I have experienced amazing, tangible evidence of His love. But I have also walked through long seasons of depression where I couldn't feel His presence. I have experienced stretches where scripture was like water poured on hardened soil. Are periods of suffering and seasons of dryness evidence that Jesus is not the bread of life? If you look at the lives of the most devoted followers of Jesus, the answer is a resounding no. The common thread that we see in Jesus' most passionate faithful followers is not euphoric feelings, but gritty faith. Take Job for example. Do you think that when he was naked, surrounded by bloody pottery, having lost all his children in one day, that he felt the joyful embrace of God's love? Would someone curse the day they were born if they sensed God's comforting presence? Job questioned. He cried out, but he refused to curse God. Paul cried out three times for God to remove his thorn in the flesh. Reading Paul's letters, it's clear that the man had a beautifully intimate relationship with the Lord. You'd imagine that if he was completely satisfied in Christ, this satisfaction would have made prayers for physical or mental relief unnecessary. But the knowledge of God's love, of which he had a profound understanding, didn't magically numb the pain. Did Paul always feel God's love and understand his ways? Perhaps not. 
but he knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that nothing, not even his thorn, could separate him from God's love. Jesus himself felt abandoned by the Father while suffering naked, skin flayed, blood pouring out on the cross, crying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is our perfect example of communion with the Father, yet even he, while fulfilling the Father's will, did not feel the warmth and comfort of his presence. I've always felt ashamed by my response to Psalm 42.1, when I read, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. I chastise myself that I don't have more of a reaction. Jesus is my reason for living, yet I often lack passion for him. I want to want God more, but this wanting to want often doesn't produce the emotional experience I imagine the psalmist having. Looking closer, though, I see that Psalm 42.1 might reflect the state of my heart more than I had thought. If the psalmist is panting after God, then he must be experiencing the frustration of thirst. As I seek God earnestly, crying out to Him despite my lack of emotion, I experience a similar frustration. The psalmist longs to experience God more, just as I do. Perhaps he is feeling more emotion than I do, but our goal is the same. Even if feelings do not immediately follow, in stubbornly insisting on seeking God, I posture myself as the deer who pants for the water. Strawn Coleman expresses this truth beautifully, saying, May your longing to long for God be the sign of your affection when your numbness threatens otherwise. And may you find peace in the trust that even a dim longing is proof that God is still your soul's greatest desire. I've learned that faith and feelings are not synonyms. And just as Job blessed God when he didn't feel his love, just as Paul praised God's sufficient grace even when God didn't remove his painful thorn, just as Jesus endured the cross when he felt forsaken by the Father, so can we be faithful disciples of Christ when our feelings don't follow. The metaphor of Prater Willie syndrome has helped me to reframe the seeming paradox of my hunger and the truth of Jesus' words. Prater Willie syndrome is a disorder in which a person is constantly plagued by extreme hunger regardless of how much they eat. The hunger has nothing to do with the amount of food they've actually eaten, but with the flaw in their 15th chromosome. For Maribel Rivera, a woman living with the disease, being in the presence of food is torturous. A news article tells us, quote, the sound of the music of an ice cream truck sends the woman into an uncontrollable raging tantrum. Her sister says, quote, she does not have what we have. We know when we're full. For her, it's not like that. She's always hungry. And you know, we always have to watch it because wherever it may be, even if it's in the trash, she'll get it. As believers, Jesus has promised us an eternally fulfilling future with him. But until we die or he returns, we must live in a world rife with sin, disease, and heartbreak. Jesus has filled us, but in our disordered world, we often are unable to recognize that we're full. 
Just like Maribel Rivera, I have often thrown desperate tantrums when another year has passed without a spouse in sight. I know objectively that I have everything I need for life and godliness, as Peter says, but sometimes I don't feel I have what I need. We can definitely grow in being satisfied in Christ during our stint on earth, but we will never realize just how full we are until our eyes are opened and we're in His presence. Recognizing that I have what I like to call spiritual Prater Willy syndrome has been helpful in trusting that what Jesus said is true when my stomach tells me otherwise. Like Maribel, I have the nourishment my body requires, yet a clouded mind and a fallen world often tell me otherwise. So when I don't feel God's love, or I'm tempted to believe that a man's love will take the hunger away, I'm learning to lift my eyes to Jesus and say, You are the bread of life. In you, I am not hungry, no matter how I may feel. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hope Unyielding. This was part two in a three-part series on myths I've believed about what it means to be satisfied in Christ when earthly desires go unfulfilled. This series is an adaptation of my free ebook, Unsatisfied, which you can download on my website, hopeunyielding.com. So if you don't want to wait to hear myth three, or you're just more of a reader, check out hopeunyielding.com or click the link in the show notes to get your free download. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. I pray that Jesus would overwhelm you with the truth that he is the bread of life. 